Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Always much appreciated when you when you do that for us. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Again, always much appreciated. Today I'm joined by the Washington Post Sam Fortier as we discuss Deron Payne. That's not what I thought we were going to talk a lot about today, but. The commanders went out and signed Payne on Sunday to a four-year deal worth up to $90 million. So we discussed the impact of that move. We also discussed some free agency decisions they have to make, kind of looking back at some of the classes that this particular group has, has brought in. Um, are they, you know, how good are they at doing that, et cetera. We get into all of that, the impact of Payne coming back. I do know that there was an urgency. I, I had heard last week that they were progressing, that they were making good progress. What that means, who knows? Because that could mean one different things at different sides. But there was an urgency here because they wanted to know what they had to spend in free agency. And there are some guys that they want to go target right away that this now allows them to be aggressive going after those guys. And I don't know who they are. I don't need the price range. I'm still expecting in that 5 to $8 million range. Maybe you could go a little bit higher if there's a guy you really like. Um, so, But Sam and I get into a lot of that stuff, the market for linebackers, et cetera. So that's that's one thing. The, the, tamp the tampering period begins on Monday afternoon. Free agency begins Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. So stay tuned for all that. You can follow myself. My work on ESPN.com will be doing little nuggets on every free agent signing. Sam, of course, you can follow on, on at, with the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter at Sam4TR. And so there you go. Now, I want to give a little shout out to my other colleagues in the room, the people that are typically the ones out there scrapping for whatever information you can get that isn't at a national level. So it's Sam, of course, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post, Ben Standing from The Athletic, um, Matt Paris from The Washington Times, Michael Phillips, Richmond Times Dispatch, um, JP Finley, and then, of course, Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington slash Monumental, whatever it's called nowadays. Anyway, those are the ones who are really scrapping it. Of course, there's other people that are going to do some stuff, but but those are the guys that are out there every day and, and trying to bring you the information. So I want to give my colleagues a shout out there. Anyway, also on the sale, nothing nothing really new to report here. We know that, um, as we found out last week, Mitchell Rails, part of the Josh Harris group, and I think that gives his group a big bump. That's, that's a lot of billions those two are now worth together or combined together. And I do know that Harris's tour of the facility, you cannot tour the facility if Bank of America does not approve you. So he had already been approved. This gives him that extra oomph. What this does for his, his candidacy to own the team, who knows? I think of all the of the group, the, of the names we know, I'd put him at the top. However, however, there are names we don't know. And I do know, and the Washington Post mentioned this in a story the other day, and I'd heard the same thing, that there are some groups that Dan Snyder's told people he really likes. 
Do they have the, is that, does that mean he'd sell? And those are unnamed groups. Does that mean he'd sell to them? I don't know. I still don't, I don't know that. So I think there's still a lot we don't know. And I think it's, you know, we'll just see how this shakes out. But that's that's what, what I do know. And I think the the biggest thing, every time I talk to somebody, like the biggest thing I can do for you guys is to kind of um, preach caution when processing and digesting all the information that gets flung out there. My guess is you've been doing that because it seems like the fan base is kind of taking this pretty well as far as like trying to sort through all this information. Um, but just know, like I said, there are going to there are unnamed groups who are involved in this. And if you don't know who they are, it's kind of hard to say who the real favorite is. You can have a guess, of course, everybody can have a guess, but to, to go out and report as a favorite, I think that's hard to do right now um, based on what we don't know. So there you go. Anyway, enough for me. Let's get to my conversation with Sam Fortier from the Washington Post. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Sam, we were going to do this about an hour and a half ago or so, and then Deron Payne gets signed. That was not on the table for our for a discussion when I wanted to have you on the podcast. You're going to talk, talk about some other stuff with free agency, but this is a big deal. What do you think? I'm really glad that when you texted me on Friday, I did not say, hey, we should do this Sunday morning uh, instead. So now, now we're here, we're reacting in real yeah. time and, instead of... Releasing an outdated podcast right away. That, that I, I I appreciate that because I know that you know you know I was up at four thirty, so we could have done it then. But you know the other thing, yeah. But anyways, well, I mean, it was it was spring ahead the clocks today. So were you up at four thirty when you should have been, or were you up late? Because right. I know no, you no, I was up in. when I should have been, but I've been getting ready all week, as you know. Uh, like I I was getting up an hour early every day last week just to get ready for this. So. I hope I hope people who listen to your podcast regularly know how much of this guff that you that you put out on the platform. I I don't know what you're talking about. What do you think <laughs> about Deron Payne? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm pretty surprised uh, that they got this done. I mean, I thought that you know, obviously, keeping him around this year to maximize wins for next year to audition for the new owner and and put you know your best face on was always the thing that made the most sense. We've talked about it on the pod before. But to get done a four-year deal worth $90 million to be the highest paid defensive tackle, you know, in, in the league other than Aaron Donald, obviously, that that's a, a massive commitment. And we haven't seen the structure and we don't know the right. exact guarantees. And, you know, I was kind of looking through before we recorded. And I don't think that this precludes you from signing Montez and Chase Young. I think you can still do that. Um, if if you play the time horizons right, you know John Allen has no more guaranteed money on his on his base salary. You know his, some of his prorated bonuses keep his you know cut number pretty high. But basically, what I'm saying is this does not automatically mean that no Chase, no Montez. But for me, for a front office, for a regime that's trying to win right now, trying to maximize the number of games it wins this year, this ultimately makes sense. It does, and I you know it's funny because I had heard um, several days ago that they were moving 
towards something, right? But you never know how these things go. Because I remember hearing a couple of years ago, oh, there's some optimism with Brandon Sheriff. I'm like, okay, file that away. Well, you know what? There really wasn't. So, you know, that, so you take it for what it's worth, but it did seem like they were making progress. But it does seem too, Sam, that they wanted to get this done before free agency so they knew what they could do for others on their roster or for going out and getting other guys. But to your point about um, the defensive line, it, all, it still seems like it would be hard to keep all four of those guys together because the heavy investment at one area. Um, you know, Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this with Martin Mayhew in Indy. I asked him, is it possible – to keep all four guys. And, and he said, we'll see, you know, it'd be great. Right. But there's a salary cap. So we'll see. I took that to mean that there would not be a long-term deal done with Duran Payne because like, you can't keep all four of those guys on, on second contracts basically. But now I'm wondering if they feel like there is a, an avenue through which to, to accomplish this, you know, whether, whether it is, you know, maybe you, you cut John Allen after next season or, or whether it's, you know, maybe one of these guys will, will get a below market deal. It's hard to imagine that for an edge rusher. But, you know, with, with the defensive line market seemingly about to explode, maybe they think, hey, if we strike early, we're actually going to come in under market and, and we'll see or, you know, under where these guys are about to be. And maybe that opens up doors for us in the future. I mean, but again, like there is a there is a gap between – they're confident in the building that they could make this happen. And will they actually be able to pull it off? And the fascinating thing to me will be if they do pull it off, how do they try to? Right. I think the other thing is maybe they don't want, maybe they don't plan on bringing both those defensive ends back. That's, yeah, I, I, that's part, that's a scenario as well. I think that's totally possible. And, and Ron Rivera kind of hinted, even though Chase Young was his first draft pick, if you feel the need to say, hey, we might not pick up this guy's fifth-year option because we like the motivation. Look how it worked for right. other guys. I mean, that's a concerning thing, right? And so, you know, Chase Young, I think, still is supremely talented. And, and you know, if he can come back and, and get back to his power moves and, and generate pressure that he was the second half of his rookie year instead of, you know, the way he was during that sophomore season, that's a huge plus. And right. I think that, like, you keep that guy around. But is yes. Montez Sweat now, you know – is he the odd man out? I mean, if you can't keep all four, which I think you and I both think is probably the case, um, then then it seems like you know he he might be on the block, right? Not not, I, not trade block. I want to say no, like, no, no. I know what you're saying, and I know uh, yes, I, I I'm glad you clarified that because I know what you're saying someone else is going to say oh 48 says he's on the trade block. Right. The right. other part of it too is then this is a good class for some edge rushers for the draft. And so I wonder if they wouldn't look at one, because I know they want to get somebody there. Now it's mostly for depth and to get a young guy that maybe you can develop into a situational rusher, but maybe you do something there to just kind of like what they did with Fedarian Mathis. And you get a guy in whatever round where you say, Hey, can be part of the rotation. Cause you do want to rotate guys and maybe a starter. If one of those guys leaves, you know, there, again, there's all sorts of scenarios. Yeah, I, I think that was something that, you know, you heard in Indianapolis as well. Like uh, it, it that is a position pass rusher, whether it has inside, you know, that, that guy has inside outside flexibility, right. like <laughs> F.A. Obata had, maybe it's more of an edge rusher, but I think that's something they will address during the draft. I don't think it'll be high. I still think corner and, and offensive line yes. are your two priorities. That's probably going to be the first couple rounds, if not the first three rounds. But at some point, I do expect them to look at uh, – an edge rusher me too and you know funny because with the offensive line 
it could be any of three spots on that, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like we say a lot. It could be tackle, could be guard, could be center. I mean, in in the first round, I wouldn't expect a center. You know, I but, wouldn't either. But but in the first two rounds, if you depending yes. on where you go in the first round, totally. And and you know, if if you take a if you take a guard, if you take one of those two guys, whether it be the TCU kid or the Florida kid, at, you know, maybe you you go tackle in the second round. But but yeah, there's a lot of ways they can play that. But but I think that's possible too. So how do you think with with pain? What is the signal either to the locker room? What do you? How big an impact do you think this plays in there when you can when you keep a guy like that around? Um, I actually don't know what the locker room impact is. I mean, it, it's it's good, right? You're rewarding a guy who you know played well in your system, certainly developed. You know, I think that people point to Payne's breakout last year in terms of sacks you know he went from four and a half to 11 and a half which was by far his career high more than double his second highest total um which was in his rookie year actually with five uh, but his pressure rate has been pretty steady uh you right. know he, he he actually had the same his last two years he said he's created pressure on on 9.6 percent of his snaps so i think you're you're not necessarily betting on that one breakout year like it might seem like you are um i think you've seen that production and, and he's finished more than last year, but, but to the locker room, what does this signal? Sorry, I ran right no, through your, no, no, no. That's a great way. So finish this, but I want to go back to what you're saying. Cause that's the even better thought. So finish up here. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, like, I think this is like kind of the same as Terry as John, right? Like those two guys are more faces of the team than Duran is. And so I think it was more important to get it done with those two guys, but with Duran, it's, it's just, you know, it, it, to me, it's another data point in the message that you've set up you know, is if you come here and you play well, we will reward you. And actually, the, the guy that I'm, I'm looking for that I'm kind of surprised they haven't got done yet is is Jeremy Reeves, who who really embodies that as well. He's not going to be a big money, you know, big contract guy they'll like get that. Done. But I, 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 they'll get him done too. But I'm saying that is, I yeah. think, another yes. data point. Oh, guy, could you imagine that locker room without Jeremy Reeves? I, I, I mean, just from a vibes perspective, right. like when you walk in there, like – He's the guy singing. He's the guy that's in the middle of the the battle. I mean, I'm, just a real quick story that I think people will enjoy. Like last year, we walked into the locker room and there was a heated debate between the DBs and the receivers about whether they should be playing on the on the speaker. Uh, young uh, young boy NBA never broke again, who I'm sure Kim listens to all the time, and Rod Wave. And I remember Cam Sims was like yelling at the DBs like. Y'all boys love to be in your feelings because they love playing Rod Wave. And uh, and, and just Jeremy is such a – he's really one of the heartbeats of that room. Right. Well, that was a lot like when in the press room when I got into an argument with Standing and I said, I want to play Springsteen. And he said, no, we're playing Creed. So that was, that, was, that, was a, that was a heated day if you remember that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Absolutely. Okay. But but you're right, though. And, again, I'm going to go back to your pressure points. But I do – because I, I think we all – with Jeremy Reeves, he's a leader, but it's also like they see those cornhole games and he's always playing that. And it's a way for him to kind of play and meet with other guys. But I don't think, and we even joked on the last day for a locker room clean out. I think it was like, there was no way that he was going to, that anybody was going to be in that locker room longer than Jeremy Reeves on that last day, because he just loves being in there and got, you know, like if, if one other guy was going to be in there, Jeremy Reeves would be there next to him because it's just like that, that place means a lot to him. So like you're, they're not like, they're not going to lose him period, but he means a lot in there for a guy who's, he was a punt protector, backup guy, special teamer. 
his value is pretty high in that locker room. But so let's go back to the pressure because a lot of people look at this and say, well, you know, how can you duplicate this? Is he going to play just as hard because, oh, he got this sacks his money here. To me, he's been ascending to the, like those sacks come whenever they come, right? But his play has been very steady to me. Over the, It's yeah. not like there was like this, nobody, 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 boom, he's up here. It was a progression, progression, really good last year. You know, I mean, he was really good in 2021 as well. Right. And I think that, you know, like there's always, I saw some chatter on Twitter and, and an agent brought it up to me like, hey, how is John Allen going to respond to this? Is he going to be mad that, you know, Deron Payne, you know, the guy inside no. next to him is now earning more, earning more money. And like, I think it's kind of the opposite because I think John knows that he's better when Deron is in there taking yes. that attention and they're better, like they're better together. And to me, I think one of the biggest progressions of last year and a part of this was, was Chase Young being out, but I mean, we wrote about it. We talked about it. When you see the stunts and the games that the defensive line was able to run this year, just because of how much time they've had together as pass rushers, particularly obviously with John and, and Duran, like the way that they could play off each other and make sure that guys were taking shots, but they were still gap sound. Right. I mean, that was really huge uh, for them. And I think that keeping that continuity there and hopefully, you know, getting Chase Young back in the mix and and having his talent and, and also having him be more disciplined. Like, I think he did a, a pretty good job of that in his, his few games at the end of the year. Um, if you can keep that going and keep a cohesive line that that's elite, can, can crush pockets, things like that. Like, I think that's just a huge all-around benefit for your team. Yeah, and going back to the Allen thing, because that's something I talked about with people during the year. Like, they thought, like, there's no way it's going to bother him. In fact, I think it bothered him more if he somehow got away for exactly the reason you said – that's a guy who is like, if you look at a guy who's as much a team guy in there, as far as like, you know, how he approached things or whatever, I think Allen would be that guy. They've also, those two got, those two have always been, despite what happened in Dallas, they've always <laughs> had a, a, a decent relationship because, they, you know, the respect, I think all that, but it sounds like they got closer last year. So I think it would have bothered Allen much more if, if Payne had left than if he had surpassed his deal, because I think one thing too, Sam, like players know, well, when Allen signed it, it was 18 months ago. Like the market goes up. There's an inflation right here. Right. And they all, the players know that. So, you know, I think if, if he were, maybe if you're a receiver, a corner, who's a diva, you, you act differently, right? A defensive tackle from Alabama, who's, you know, like Allen is not going to be bothered by this. Yeah. And I, and I think back to, Basically, like during that stretch where they were just they where they won basically every week um, last season, like the 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 atmosphere in the locker room and the cohesiveness and just how lifted everybody was. Like, if they can avoid a slow start next year, if they can do, you know, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of things that we can talk about for them to to improve. But I think that that is really what you know. Obviously, they they want to get paid, and the, and they you know play a, you know, they play a sport that, that's particularly violent and it's, it's a really uncertain career path and, and a life path after that career. But I think winning really does matter. Like when John Allen says, like, I really want to win, this bothers me. Like I hate losing. Like, I think that he means it as much as anybody, as you pointed out. And so this is just the way to do that. So what do you think if like Deron Payne changes his number to like, if he had sweat switch and he has a 90, but instead of pain on the back, he says P-A-Y-E-D, Deron paid. What do you think? Come on. <laughs> well, I'm not used to you being funny, so I'm going to – like, I'm actually thrown off a little bit. <laughs> I got more, Sam. I got more. So, 
the impact on free agency now, because part of the reason they wanted to get this done is to now be able to, and by the time this comes out, they may have signed somebody else. I mean, it's possible that by the time it's coming out, maybe Heineke is done. I don't know. I know that's a guy they're trying to get done. So that, you know, and I don't, maybe somebody else, but it also frees them up to now pursue others. And we don't know, and you brought this up earlier, and it's right, until we see the full breakdown. Like his cap number was going to be 18.9. Well, clearly it's going to be a lot lower than that. We don't know how much lower. We don't know how much more money that gives them now. But this then frees them up to go out and be a little bit more active, aggressive right away. What do you, what are you anticipating from them in free agency? Now you had texted me earlier because your plan was, if, if just so people know, and I should show them the text, but I won't do that. You said trade for Lamar, sign Orlando Brown. And then who was the third one? Um, I forget who the third one was. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I totally endorse all of those moves. And <laughs> and just for what it's worth, if you could get Lamar, I, it's Lamar's not coming here, as right, we've right, all right. pointed out. But, like, if you could get him, <clears throat> I, I don't think that that's a bad idea. Oh, I, God, like, he'd be great. He'd be so, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, that's not about if he's good or not or if he's fun to watch, right? Right. Right. I, I'm just I'm just saying that I, yeah. I do not oppose the Lamar deal fundamentally. And yeah, I think it's enough. about every you know, it's about everything else. And I, and and the I was kidding for people it. who are just like, oh, my God, they're not getting Orlando Brown either. Um, yeah. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing is they have a decent amount of cap room, right? Like 16 ish million, like going into free agency, um, which is before the pain, before the pain, before the before the pain thing. Right. right. But I, I think that even though this will likely lower his cap hit, I don't think that this move is like then going. I don't think they're doing this move with the mindset that they're going to go out and make splashes. I think that the, you know, I think even in India, I think weeks ago, like their approach is probably going to be what it was last year, which is, you know, so maybe like second tier deals. I think you'll see them go after positions of need, whether it be, you know, linebacker or offensive line. I think those are kind of positions that that you'll see from them. But it's to me that this is not going to drastically change their plan. But where I think where it does change it is it allows you right away if you want a guy to go get him. So it may not be a splash signing on day one, but maybe it's a guy in the six to seven million dollar range that you like. This is the guy they wanted because they knew what they had, they could go target this guy and this guy. So I could see a scenario like that. Would you, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's probably well said, like in the right. six to $7 million range, like if, if you're want to go get instead of the middle of the second tier of linebackers, you want to go get the top of the second tier, whether it be, you know uh, you know, one of those guys like that, that is now on the table. Um, and, and you can be a little bit more aggressive, whether, you know, if you want, one of the centers at the top of the market or the guard, like those things feel like you can be more aggressive. Right. And that's right. Where, where would you go first? Like, or not first, cause you can go anywhere, but what are, give me your, Bram and I talked about this on the Friday podcast, but give me your priorities for them. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's linebacker and offensive line. Kind of like I said, I mean, if, if the defensive back depth is right, like you'd certainly go after, you know, one of those guys. But I mean, to me, um, the linebacker from San Francisco, um, Shazine. Sh yeah. Like, I think, I think he makes a ton of sense, yeah. you know, like, like the linebackers who are, who are probably going to be in the similar price range as Cole Holcomb, but I think are, are a little bit better. Um, like those guys I think would, would make a lot of sense on the interior offensive line. I do, or on the offensive line, I think, I wonder, you know, will they go after Andrew Wiley because he's in the about. price range, you know, Eric, he's with Eric B Correct. Um, I think that, 
that that is sort of the type of guy you'll you'll target. But um, I don't think I think I really think they're going to draft a center, particularly because of you know I reported that they interviewed at least nineteen offensive linemen. Uh, they used of their forty five right. formals that they had in Indy. Um, plenty of them. I think they had six or seven centers in there. I really feel like they're going to draft a center. But if you're looking at guard Dalton R- uh, Risner from from Denver, right. Nate Davis, Tennessee, Connor McGovern, like, and then it tackled was Caleb McGurry, uh, Jermaine Elmenor, Andrew Wiley. I think I think all those guys fit the Eric Bieniemy, um, Eric Bieniemy mold. And if and if and if I can ramble just a little bit longer, in the five years that. Eric Bannemi was the KC offensive coordinator. He really, they really had a type that very few guys got out of. They had tall guards and tackles. Right. They were six five or above in almost every case, between three oh five and three twenty. Their centers were almost carbon copies of each other, six three, six four, three hundred, three oh one. And I think, you know, the only outlier they had was Orlando Brown, you know, who was I think like six seven and, and three forty. So um I expect them to fit those guys that kind of prototype um, as they rebuild this offensive line. And I think Wiley's one to watch because he can play guard or tackle. So, and I think, I don't think he's going to be in that ultra. He's not going to be ultra expensive. I would worry about like McGarry Davis. I would worry about the cost as well, but can you make one of those? Like, cause I know before the pain one, the hard part was if you go out and you get one of those expensive guys, how does that impact your ability to do stuff at other spots? But that's why Wiley or the Risner guy from Denver would be in that range as well. Then, like, the hard part is that tackle. And the hard part, if you get one of those guards, now you can keep Cosme a tackle. So you're okay. And you could also draft one as well. Um, and and I think the other thing is, like, you look at some of the tackle list, and there's it's just it's a hard list because they all have – they're all going to have their issues, just like at linebacker. Is there is there a linebacker? That you like, I was like, you got like guys like T.J. Edwards is on there. I, I'm curious about his market because he he's coming off a couple of really good years. You know, David Long from Tennessee, but the health issue with him is a big factor. If they're it, okay, so if they can go pay a little bit more for tier two, I actually really like Bobby Okariki from Indianapolis. Oh, do you? Th- what do you? What do you think? Because like my fear with him would be the money on him. Yeah, I, I mean, I so you know, obviously, all this stuff is is sort of. Uh, fake money right now and it's easy until you get to the right. market to kind of speculate but the things that that i've read and heard both from cap guys and agents is that they expect him to get about like eight seven or Correct. eight apy and like right. this is really what we're talking about when you know when we talk about hey do you have a little bit of flexibility because i expect cole holcomb to be between three and five um you know he'll probably be in that alex singleton kaiser white aziz alshar you know like like right. that is is probably his range. I think that next step up is Okariki, Bobby Wagner, Leighton Vanderesh in terms of in terms of money. I think that they would still they're not going to be, um, you know, they're not going to be Tremaine Edmonds, um, but they're going to be. That was solid. the third guy I was going to add to you. I forgot about that. That was the one that, I was going right. to. So so I think like, I think that that upper second tier would be the sweet spot. So, you know, it's funny because the money is going to be interesting because there is there are a decent number of linebackers on the market who are class. Yeah. And so I wonder how that's going to is it is the market going to be diluted for them? And that's where the money is going to get interesting. And maybe you can get a better player for a little bit less than you would have. And here's I did have I had an agent who basically they go through and they project the money at each position. 
And like Oak Creek, they had him at 10. Believe it or not, they had Cole with Van Der Esch and TJ Edwards at seven per year. Seven. So, seven. That surprised me. But so I'm, you know, I don't know that he'll get that because coming off in it, two injuries in three years. So I just, I'll be curious to see that. But I think you, maybe you could get a, a better player for a little bit less. If you're, that may be one way, that may be a position where you want to be a little bit more patient, perhaps, to maybe see like, how's the market for, like you said, with Oakery or even Edwards. I mean, it's one of those guys, like, how's the market develop? And then maybe after a few days, they realize they're not going to get that. So maybe you get a top player on a one-year deal. Who knows? I would be I would be really surprised if Cole Holcomb came in at seven. So would I, I, but that's what they that's what their projection or that's what their thought was. But I would be too. But yes, I think they it, would be as well. I have I have two two notes. I think like when I'm thinking about Cole Holcomb, and, and people ask like, will he be back in Washington? And I think yes at the right price. And, and to Correct. me, the right price is is the three to five million dollars because I do think Correct. they like him. Jack in particular, I think, really likes him. Um, and, and the two notes that I have is one, it might actually be obviously he wants to make the most amount of money for the most amount of years possible. But I think that it could benefit Cole Holcomb to take a one year deal because of the injuries that, that we said, you know, he's still relatively young. If he can come back on a, on a one year, five million dollar deal and hit free agency again next year and, and stay healthy, I think that's something that might be attractive to him. And the other part is. When he had, I think that he played heavier and it affected his speed last year because he had to step into that mic role, right? When Jamin wasn't ready for it. If they th- now think, hey, Jamin can take that mic role full time, kind of like they did with their five down lineman package, you know, for a lot of the year last year, especially when Cole was out. Right. If Cole can slim back down and play outside and kind of get back to the game that he was playing early on in Washington, I think that benefits him tremendously. Um, so those are just like two nuggets that I wanted to point out about Cole potentially mm-hmm. returning. Right. I think that's a great point as to why it might be make financial sense for him to do that. Listen, I think one of the benefits to coming here to playing on this defense, if you're a linebacker, like for any linebacker, if you say, you know what, my market isn't what I thought it was. I'm going to go play behind Payne and Allen for a year and rack some shit, excuse me, some stuff up. And Wow. (laughs) We got time in it. Let's go. (laughs) Rack some bleep up. And then go get paid next year because you like for whatever, for all the criticism of this place, what they have, if you're a defensive player, are some dudes in front of you who can help you look better. And then you could go get paid. Yeah, no, that that's a really great point, especially because I think if the linebacker market plays out kind of like we're talking about, where if it's dilute because it's deep, you know, the money isn't there for a lot of guys and, and the linebacker market hasn't been strong for several years. Right, I think that that's right, been a, right. a positional, Correct. Uh, it, it's certainly been as the league has evolved, you know, I think that position has been deprioritized. So that could lead, you know, maybe it's Kohoka, maybe it's another guy, but you say, Hey, you know, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you one year for seven. We'll give you one year for five and a half come here. And you, you know, it's a, it's a mutually beneficial. We get a good player. They get to reset, you know, their market next year that could potentially be attractive. How do you think this team has handled free agency, this group? Um, that's tough because last year, I mean, when they went out their first year and they made a bunch of big bets, it's hard to argue that any of them have truly hit, even though Curtis Samuel played last year, William Jackson was a disaster. I think it's like, that's unmitigated to say Yeah. And, and like, you know, with, with him being released, but not, this was before he got released by Pittsburgh, but you know, the trade conditions did not get satisfied. So they won't get any conditional pick swap out of that. So really like the only thing you did by trading him 
was you saved two point seven seven million uh, on your books last year. That's they they still have the nine million dollar dead cap this year. That's it. Um, and Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt. Not that they could have predicted that. Um, and Curtis Samuel has been, you know, obviously one one pretty good year, one one disastrous year with his injury. Um, last year, not going out and, and getting very much. Um, you know, if that if that's by design and it's less money constraints, um, then and that was also Carson the trade too limited and and the trade limited them. Um, but again, like you know, even the Carson trade, I think you have to go back and especially the compensation they gave up for him. I think you have to say, you know, what was the process there? I, I think that this group. Um, it's, it's certainly early, but it is, I would, I would probably, the word I would use is, is tepid or, or maybe uninspiring. Right. Cause I think, and don't forget, cause they're very, their first, first off season. And this is also, this is back when Kyle Smith was here too, that very first off season, when you get Logan Thomas, JD. McCoy. Sorry. When you said, when you said group, I was, I was thinking that. Yeah. 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 yeah no. And I, and you're right. Like I should have clarified more. So, but yes, th- this group has been with the Herney and, and Mayhew has been two years now. So, so yeah, like the, the, and that's the current group. So, you know, I think with Rivera and some others, you can go back there and say that, but yes, this current group, it's been the last two years and you're right. Like there haven't been, you know, there haven't been any real hits. And I think, I think keeping McLaurin, keeping Payne are big deals for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to see what they do. And, you know, can you, I think their draft classes have been solid. I, I That's the thing is like, I think their drafting has actually been right. really good. Right. And like, yeah. I think they found a, really, a, a couple of really good, you know, undrafted free agents. It sticks out. Like, I think Armani Rogers is going to be a legit player like this him. year. And especially in the later rounds, you know, um, Derek Forrest developing into what he has. Um, Listen, Sam know. Howell is a fifth round pick. And like if they end up with, if he ends up being good, if we 19 passes, take a deep breath, everyone. But <laughs> he's, you know, we know how they like him, right? And so that could be another low round pick, even though he should have been picked higher, but still go on. No, for sure. And so, like, I think, I think they, you know, a lot of promise in the drafts, a lot of, you know, Eh, in 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 the free agency classes but if that adds up to a winning team this year then you know i'm sure people will be happy i'm sure they will sam i appreciate your time i understand you have a birthday coming up soon oh <laughs> you, uh, you got sources on that? i don't know i just i saw it i have a source that says that so i i are you looking forward to that first drink of alcohol <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's funny on uh, march 22nd I will turn 27 years old, um, which I believe is the number of years that you have been actually covering this team. No, 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 no. It's higher. You've been covering this team for more than 27 years? I think think I'm closer to Matt Paris than I am to Sam Fortier in that one. Wait, what was your first season on the beat? 94. I told my wife, I'm going to stick around for one Super Bowl run, then I'm out of here. So, still here. Like... There was so when I was covering the World Series, um, with, for the post with with the Washington Nationals, I, I used to cover them. And one time, I remember Adam Kilgore, one of our colleagues, turned to Barry Sferluga, the columnist, and and Jesse Doherty and I, who went to college together, were on the beat together. And he was like, "Hey, Barry," and he, I, so Jesse was twenty five and I was twenty three, and he was like, "Hey, Barry, how's it feel to know that our two beat writers' ages added up together are still younger than you?" Oh. Ouch. So, um, 
Yeah. It was the parting gifts for your appearance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was about Barry, not about you being old. Yeah, but I think I may have a year on or two on Barry. So, oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know how I'll, Barry and I can maybe talk about that off air one day. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having me as always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is there anything, is there anything like, do you have any, I don't know about free agent predictions, because it's really hard to know because the level they're going to be shopping at. Mm. Um, do you do you expect Heineke? Do you think Heine, I think Heineke's going to come back? May test the market, but do you you know do you have any predictions or anything like that for any of these guys? I think Heineke will come back. I I hope for his sake, you know, a guy with his story. I hope he gets high end backup money. I like if someone came out and were like, hey, we'll give you two for twenty. Like I, I would be really. Oh, happy. he's gone at that point. Holy right, crap! Right. They're not going to pay him that here. No, no, but I I you know like a team like yes. you know. Arizona, who who has a need, um, who has a stopgap with an injured starter, you know, for a guy that can do what Taylor does. But but I, you know, it's funny. Like I talk to people at the combine uh, from other teams, and they're they're sort of mystified by him, by by Heineke's success. They're like, if you put on the tape, like the arm, it just doesn't. No. It, you don't think it translates, and then it just does. Like I had somebody tell me, like how like they asked me how does he do it like why like what is he like in the locker room because he's so magnetic and guys like you can just see on the film people play hard for him yeah. and i was like yeah it's 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 really remarkable it's i stopped trying to figure it out a long time ago you just <laughs> roll with it you know what i mean right but, yeah i mean like there was one time you know like there are guys that you'd want he's a definition of a gamer and i don't like that term because i i think you know by and large if you don't practice well as a quarterback I don't think you're going to play well because why are you not practicing well? Is it because, you know what I mean? But he goes out there and makes plays and he gets away with plays that aren't made by the other team. And it leads to a guy who players respond to. And there's something about the dude. And and I, I think he's also smart and I think he'd be good for Sam Howell. I think there are other guys who could fill that role as well. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Jacoby Brissett, guys like that. Dalton, I think. Andy Dalton. Cool. Yeah. Andy Dalton. I mean, name. You gotta, you gotta believe. First of all, I don't know if you know. You might go crazy having a another ginger in there, but, but dude, Carson second, was there. He was on my turf. But oh, was- that's right, that's right. I forgot that. <laughs> but secondly, Andy Dalton's going to be around long enough that we know at some point he's going to be in Washington. Like that guy's going to play for five more years, and at least one time he'll be in Washington. So it's that's the, a lock. I think it's that's like a the, lock. The Josh Freeman. Uh, Rite of passage, him coming through here. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So anyway, there you go. Sam, thanks a lot for coming on. Always appreciate it. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Sam, the number four TR, S-A-M, the number four TR. You can find me in the Washington Post um, and and dunking on time on Twitter. (laughs) That's it. I'm going to delete that last part. Thanks, Sam. (laughs) Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Sam for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, looking at free agency, doing whatever. There's going to be a lot of flying parts here. I'll be back. Talk to you next time.